Well, hello there, whippersnappers around the world, and welcome back to Second Cup. I'm your host, Tim Heller. Today's guest is Nick Steen. Nick is one of my friends who loves dad jokes, is a voice, stage, and film actor, a car guy, and an expert overthinker. Now, before we jump into my interview with Nick, I do have a very exciting announcement to make, and that is that this episode is brought to you by our very first sponsor, Chicken Salad Chick. Oh my gosh, a huge thank you to Emily Gray and the Chicken Salad Chick Company for sponsoring this episode. It is a huge milestone for me and truly means the world, so thank you, thank you, thank you a million times over. If you're in the southeastern United States, you have got to check out Chicken Salad Chick restaurants. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. If you've been listening to the show and you want to support us too, there are three ways to do so. First is by sharing episode links on social media and tagging at Tim Heller Creative. Thank you to those who have been doing so. It's not been going unnoticed. Second is by rating and leaving reviews in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening and watching. I checked the other day and we have like 11 or 12 reviews in Apple Podcasts. So thank you to everyone who has written a review and uh, rated the show. And finally, if you want to support financially, you can Venmo at Tim Heller Creative. All the funds will be used to improve the show and provide the best experience for the guests and listeners alike. Now, let's jump into my interview with Nick Steen. Top off your beverage, get comfy, and enjoy this episode of Second Cup. Hello, hello. Hey, man. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you this morning? I'm I'm so good, dude. I'm so excited for this. Thanks. I'm excited to have you here. It is early for you, and you look like you are like fresh off of a film shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, that is very sweet of you. Uh, I'm actually I'm actually in Dal or in Arlington right now, so we're in the same time zone. No way. Oh my gosh. I was thinking last night that you were still in Boise or out in California, and I was like, this is. Uh, ludicrous to ask him to get up this early but no even if it were the case i'd be happy to do it man well i appreciate you being here nick um i just to kick things off uh cheers mm -hmm. and good morning to you what are you drinking what's in your cheers what's in your man. coffee how do you uh, uh since you we're it? on the road it's a little less exciting um but it's just like some starbucks blonde in a little Great. drip maker we normally travel with a Nespresso, and we have a ton of mugs that we've picked up through our travels um, back at our house in Cleveland. But I have none of them with me, so it's just the one that I, I bought while working in, in Idaho this year. So Amazing. And what are you doing yeah. in Dallas right now? We're just in our between time, man. So we did Romeo and Juliet in Boise, and then uh, we've, we're on a pause and, until we uh, remounted in Cleveland. That's Awesome. And so for everybody listening, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Tell tell us what you do. Obviously, if you are listening to this and you can't tell that he's a voice actor with his beautiful baritone timbre here, uh, Nick is a fellow voice actor. Um, but I'd love for you to tell everybody what you do, where you all live, uh, what your wife does as well, because I just think I, I love seeing creative couples figuring figuring out life together. Yeah, man. Um so I, I'm a voice, stage, and film actor uh, with a larger emphasis on stage and voice. Uh, I've been working regionally for the last nine years, I believe, after graduating ACT in 2013. Uh, my wife is also, we're both a part of Actors' Equity Association, my wife is also a, a stage manager. So we have this like really unique, sweet setup where we work together nine times out of ten on the same show. Uh, uh, so it's it's one of those really sweet dream. little setups that it's just so hard to find, you know. 
Yeah. And, you know, we actually we had one of my other friends who was the first episode of Second Cup. Emily Brown is a fellow ACTer. I know. I heard, You know what was so funny about this, dude, is as soon as I signed up, it's that that just stupid imposter syndrome. And I was like, do I need to be going on here? Do I have anything to say? And then I listened to that first episode and I was like, she's talking about the same person that changed my life. Uh, Jeffrey Crockett, the voice and speech, uh, the, the voice coach. I was like, this is a sign. I have to do this because, I mean, yes. really, man, I, it was like I was on this train of Texas machismo trying to feel like something I'm not. And mm. in his class, in these hour, two hour long, essentially what ended up being meditation uh, uh, classes, like the floodgates opened and it was this permission to finally feel comfortable and safe being who I am. And for that and for him, I will forever be grateful. That's awesome. That's so sweet. Yeah. And, and that's honestly, I, I'm, I, I haven't even created like an intro or trailer for this show yet for people who are just like scrolling through Spotify and find us, but it's really, the more I'm, I'm, I'm doing this and the more I'm thinking about it, it's just that I, I feel like I have, I've been blessed in so many ways to be surrounded by so many interesting and talented and incredibly smart people. And I just want everybody to connect with each other in, in the ways that I've been able to connect with all of you. And if I can connect people that way, or even if it's just that you hearing Emily talk about this person that changed your life too, and giving you the momentary confidence to, to come on and, and talk. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Oh, and, to, and to, um, to finish, we, we live in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, my wife yes. and I have a house out there because the theaters that we work for, they have a location in Cleveland, they have a location in Boise, Idaho, and they have one more in Lake Tahoe. So it's Great Lakes Theater, Idaho Shakespeare Festival, and Lake Tahoe Shakespeare Festival, respectively. Just the ugliest places in the country, too. It's really, that's a tough gig, man. <laughs> I, I appreciate your sympathy. It is a, it is a hard thing to, to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Nick, um, we have a couple things that we're going to talk about today. Um, ways to find more stability in the gig economy. I know you mentioned you wanted to talk a little bit more about retainer fees and stuff like that. Can you yeah. kick us off with all of that with kind of how what your voiceover journey has been so far and how you've taken your theater work and started to, to mix the two together to really create a business? Because I also know that you recently incorporated as well, right? Yeah, yeah, that is correct. Uh, so I started doing voiceover back in 2012, uh, and I think my first ever paid gig was uh, doing the radio announcer in August Wilson's Seven Guitars for a production at ACT. And <laughs> it was the it was the most fun experience, shouting into the edge of a, a, a shotgun microphone. Uh, and I just got the bug, man, and it, it's just kind of been slowly progressing since then. But then when the pandemic hit, my wife and I were both doing uh, Much Ado About Nothing in Cleveland. And I was, dude, I was laying in bed. It was like four o'clock in the morning. I could not sleep. I get up and I start, uh, you know, going online and looking at YouTube. And, and I found Mike Delgadio's uh, Booth Junkie YouTube page. Mm -hmm. And man, I went down that rabbit hole so hard. And I got so uh, fascinated with the, the practice of doing this more professionally. So I took the clients that I had acquired over the last like number of years. And then in 2020, I was like, I need to do this more consistently. 
And I've heard a couple of your other, uh, actually, I think you're in the most recent episode of talking about having a bit more control over my mm. journey throughout this career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I was like, you know, if I can have my space in my home where I can do the work that I love doing, it sounds like a win-win to me. So hit the ground running, started on pay to plays, did a, a few audiobooks. And now I've, I've kind of cobbled together a, a, a decent client base where I'm basically using it as a decent supplemental income source aside from my uh, union theater work. Yeah. I mean, that's the dream, Nick. You have done, when we first started talking and hanging out online and, and I was talking to another guest yesterday who is another one of these people that I feel like has really become a friend <clears throat> throughout the pandemic that I've just never met in person, but it feels like we've known each other a lot longer and and in a different way than just strictly through the internet. But when we first started talking and you were telling me about what you and your wife have really built for yourselves, it's beautiful. And it really is. I think the goal for so many people in the industry is, is not only that stability, but the variety in it too. You have, you have a stable variety of work and it, at least for my actor and creative brain, it helps so much with being able to do all these different things, but also knowing that they are there and they will be there in some capacity. So it's, it, it's really incredible what y'all have done. Thanks, man. It's, it's, you know, it's a lot of times it's, it's hard. Like for instance, right now we're two months, we're both unemployed and that's something mm-hmm. that you have to figure out. And we're, you know, we're piecing together other bits of income along the way. But I can't remember who it was at ACT. They said, you know, life in the arts is a terrible way to make a living, but a wonderful way to make a life. Mm. And I appreciate that that one more time. Say that again. Yeah. A life in the arts is a terrible way to make a living, but a wonderful way to make a life. That's beautiful. So I I love that. That part of it feeds my soul. And... I also want to make it a good way to make a living. So I think that's where the, the voiceover thing came into being. So what's funny about this retainer idea is I know part of the idea of, of going on your own and starting your business has so much to do with freedom, is is occupational freedom, time freedom. And so it seems that I'm of two minds about this thing, that if I do, if I seek more retainer work, that it essentially gives me a structure of having consistent employment, which then mm-hmm. takes away some of that flexibility in exchange for obviously a bit more consistent Stability. financial yeah. income. Exactly. So I don't know, man, I'd love to brainstorm with you if you think that yeah. that is something that is <clears throat> worth pursuing that kind of, that kind of structure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uncanny timing that you, that we're talking about this now because just like a couple of weeks ago, I went out for coffee with another voice actor here in my same town here in Texas, just outside of Austin, mm. uh, Rob Reed, who is mm. uh, just a wonderful human being, crazy talented, like the radio voice of radio voices. And um, he he does a lot of imaging work and he actually does a lot of retainer fees is something that we talked about on our little coffee date. And so mm. he's he's structured it so that you get the client gets X amount of recordings with this amount of usage, like up to this amount of recordings every single month, anything past that you figure out later. But that means that some months he's, you know, doing one spot or some months he's doing five to eight spots. And it's within that retainer fee, 
And so he's got like a couple different stations on retainer so that it's just easy. And then he's, he's like, you know what? Yeah. And it basically covers my expenses. It covers X, Y, and Z. And then if I can get anything else on top of that, then great. But it is, mm-hmm. it is a, it's a different conversation. And I'm in, I'm actually in talks with a client right now who they're uh, a wellness company that is putting together some meditations and stories and stuff like that. And once we kind of pilot it and see how we, how it goes, I brought up potentially doing a retainer because it is just, it is app work. So it's this whole different thing. And for anybody who's not involved in voiceover, who's, who's curious and getting started, it's, there are so many different genres of voiceover and within each of those genres, there's even more niche parts of those. And each of those costs a different amount of money because it's not only the studio time that you're paying for, but it's the usage, which is the where, when, and how long uh, it's going to be broadcast for. And with all of this new media, it's awesome because it's creating incredible opportunities, but it's also uh, really, really confusing and hard to price things out because everybody's got a different budget. Um, But yeah, so with that little rabbit trail, it's... I, I think it is a really great idea to do a retainer for certain instances. If you're doing sizzle reels for a company, if you're doing radio imaging, I think it's great. Um, and then you, you, you work out and you try to make sure that the rates are still what the the standard are or even a little bit higher. I've been trying to avoid going just like hitting those bare minimum standard like industry rates with clients and saying, what if we create something that people are really excited to work with you and with me, if I'm producing something, because we're not just scraping the bottom of the barrel, we are, we're creating, uh, an opportunity for abundance, you know? Yeah. But does that help at all? It does. It does. Cause I, my, my, my concerns about it were of course, situations where the talent is then taken advantage of where there's a mm-hmm. hundred spots a month or something extreme like that. So I think, yeah, confirming that there does need to be a limit on that. And it's this is also kind of in my mind flashing back to this idea that you posted online about blockchain helping you keep track and use mm-hmm. of usage and how I would love to go down that rabbit hole with you at some point because I think that's really yeah. exciting tech that I think has a really interesting use case there. Um, but, yes, the limits do, help a lot. So I had a client on retainer for about two years. It was great, consistent income. It was helpful. And I asked them, I said, what What does this provide you? Like, what is it that you're getting out of this retainer? And it was ease of use. So they don't have to go to a pay-to-play. They don't have to go to an agency. Yeah. They don't have to do the groundwork. They just know they're going to use this specific voice talent. And it's also brand recognition with that voice. The audience mm-hmm. hears that, and they know that's with that company. So I'm trying to cobble together those things to create the pitch I think it's this point just hammering out, not scraping the bottom of the barrel, but hammering out what value it adds and uh, coming up with my usage-based and, and, and um, spot-based Yeah, come up with those rate. terms. Come up with your terms. The great thing is that, especially if, I feel like if you're in conversations about having a retainer set up with a client, you're at that point in that relationship where you know each other. You know that this is a mutually beneficial situation and that they want to continue working with you and that this is Mm -hmm. something that is solving a problem for both of you. And if you can come at it with that solution-based thinking and say, hey, I've been thinking about this and I think I have a solution. I'd like to propose a a potential solution to something like this. I think it'd be great. 
Cool. Cool. I'm going to, I'm going to, I certainly have a lot of time right now. So <laughs> hit the ground running with that. <laughs> <laughs> and so with like, with LinkedIn and stuff like that, because I know that's another question you had. What? How are you mm-hmm. feeling? Just because I know everybody, all these creators are out there, artists, creators. I know that creators is like a, I don't know, silly taboo word or something. But that's what we're all kind of having to do is mm-hmm. just create even more. Um, but how are, how do you feel about the way that you approach content? And I know that you've made a concerted effort recently, especially on TikTok, with uh, your DIY VO guy channel. Uh, how, how do you approach that? How do you feel and where do you feel like some of your pain points are? Um, you know, I approach it in a way, you know, I, I was listening to your second episode, uh, a genre. Thank you so much for listening to these, by the way. Yeah. Tanja, Yeah. man. Yeah. And, and, and she was talking about keeping commitments to yourself and how that's building trust. Mm -hmm. And, the way that's that's also inspired the, the piece of content that I'm going to be posting today. How I approach it, man. So I sat down in March with a little Google Doc and I typed out like I think it was like 75 ideas for little videos. It was kind of one of those sessions. It was like no bad ideas, no bad ideas. Just crank yep, just get out it as out. much as you can. And I was try, I was looking at that list, thinking, what? Who am I in that list? If I were to look at these and boil down to like three videos, who am I and what is it that I want to do? And ultimately what I want to do is I want to help people. And what's funny about the TikTok channel is that it was born out of a month off of all social media. I was stuck in the house. <laughs> My wife was working at an uh, actor's theater in Louisville and I was by myself and I was scrolling constantly. I was like, I need to stop this. I don't like it. It's unhealthy. So I took a month off and I came back. And honestly, man, you have been a huge inspiration because the the from the viewer's perspective, the freedom with which you create your content and the the comfort that it, it seems as though you have being yourself. I was like, that's what I want to see more of. So I came back like determined to create more content to create a space that I would actually want to spend time in. So I'm trying to help as much as I can trying to do a little bit of performance in there as well, because I know that's part of that platform. Um, you know, it feels, it, it feels putting yourself out there like that is still <laughs> such a hard thing, man. It I don't know what I perform for gross, a living, but it's it? still hard. <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much for, for your kind words. It truly means a lot. And, and it's, it is weird. And it's, this is something that I set a goal for myself at the beginning of this year of creating a piece of content every single day or the equivalent of that by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And, and it was similar to your Google doc situation of you just got to get it out. And instead of just keeping it on paper or in a document on my computer, I just filmed myself and I just sent it. And I just had to say kind of fuck it. I I have to do this because I don't feel like myself. And it was in an effort to really, you know, moving to Texas, we have, a wonderful community down here. And then we, you know, we bought a house just outside of Austin and it felt a little bit isolating. And then with my back issues, it's been isolating and which thankfully are no longer. And then with like just this, the nature of our work, it's, it's isolating. Like I'm, I'm alone, but not, not truly alone, but I am working alone in my house. And so it just gave me an excuse to do it, but it's, it is just stepping up to the plate and feeling that gross and sitting in the crunchy part of 
creating, which is going to feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable for a while. But as soon as you can kind of nestle in and 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 see what feels good and when, it's worth yeah. it. And I think it's such a necessary way to be building a business for so for so many people. You know, there are yeah. people out there that don't really need it, and that's fantastic. Um, yeah. But I also if found you can turn too, it into like, a little bit of a game. Yeah, exactly. I found too that it was it's keeping those promises to myself to kind of dovetail this back has helped building trust in myself. And I ca- I was talking to a friend of mine who was kind of helping me through this. I was like, I just don't know that I have a lot to offer. It's like, I feel so brand new to this space. And she reminded me, she's like, you have to remind yourself how much work you've been doing in this space for how many years, even no matter how small that's still time in and realizing how valuable mm-hmm. time in is in the unique situation with our work where we travel, we're, we're traveling for work every three to five months, let's say. So like yeah. right now I'm in my little temporary booth in my in-laws house because that's part of like my setup is not let me hop into my studio bricks. Let me do my job in my house every day, even though that honestly, a part of that really sounds lovely. That consistency sounds lovely. Yeah. But our, our lifestyle isn't that. And I think that yep. there's something that we could, I, that we say we, there's something that I can offer about the lifestyle that my wife and I have created that could potentially be helpful for other folks that want to have a more widespread career and understand you don't have to be super locked down in one space to do your recording and you can still make a living doing it yeah. just about anywhere. Yeah. I mean, when the, that I love that your friend encouraged you to do that because your perspective is valuable. And right when the pandemic started, when we were in New York, I was only like a year and a half, two years into doing voiceover, but I had all mm-hmm. of these friends uh, who were doing uh, Broadway shows and TV shows and movies and stuff like that, reaching out saying, Hey, I need, you know, my agent has said, I need to get set up. And, you know, you are the person that I know that does this. Can you do this for me? And I started spending hours and hours every single day just for free to helping people out. And my wife said, Tim, you really need to start charging people because you're spending six hours a day helping people get set up and helping people with auditions. I was like, I can't, I can't do that. Like, it's like, I'm still brand new. She's like, you still know more than people who have never done this Mm -hmm. and have started something and, and you, you're perspective is valuable and and she's like and you're not a dick about it (laughs) right yeah and that's (laughs) huge that's huge you know and it's if you can i've had so many people try to scare me out of doing various things like especially living in new york whether it's an agent or people in the industry or something like that and i'm so tired of it and this loops back into your point of creating what you want to see more of and that's what this podcast is that's what all of my stupid videos are is just creating a space where it's encouraging, but it's honest, and it's also weird as hell. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you can have fun and build community that way, and and trust that what you have to say is worth hearing, then I think it's a, a win win scenario, and you're set up for success. Yeah, yeah, man. Now, have you seen any change in your business since you started posting more? Uh, regularly, I have uh, whether I have that's had a, uh, more followers, anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, uh, overall, um, f- followers seem to be a, a girl. I mean, you know, when I started, I was like, you know what? If ten people subscribe or uh, uh, follow me, I'm going to be happy. And so, uh, 
thankfully, it's it's been quite a bit more than that, and I've been very grateful for that. Um, I have had a couple of offers come through. Uh, one of them was mainly for That's an awesome. audiobook narrator job. And it seemed like, oh, honestly, it seemed like a really great gig. Uh, but one of the stipulations was being able to stick to timelines. And while I'm on contract and I'm working in the theater, sometimes it's hard to commit to an eight-hour day of recording yeah. where I need to be connected and it's two narrators taking on the same story. So that that job just wasn't a fit. Um, but what it did confirm is that the content is being seen. And not only is it being seen, by, but it's also being seen by decision makers. And so that's been inspiring as far as knowing that I'm also helping folks, but knowing that that's like a little extra little benefit of possibly uh, creating work from that, too. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Congratulations. It, it's Thanks, funny dude. how just pushing yourself past that border of discomfort and... And, oh, my God, this feels gross. I feel like, like even though, like you said, I'm performing for my job every day, but mm-hmm. I don't want to perform online for people because that's, that's a lot of people. And it's weird. And there's yeah. all this pressure to go viral. And mm-hmm. it's – but it is that whenever – it's I've, I feel like it's been more than a year that I've been doing all these videos. But just since the beginning of this year, whenever I am consistent about it, mm-hmm. I'm working more. And people yeah. find me. And, and you can't get hired unless people – hear your voice or see mm-hmm. your face. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's uncomfortable and gross and it's still changing with algorithms right. and updates and all this stuff. But it's, you know, my, my very base level advice is just start making stuff and mm-hmm. getting it out there. Yeah. Work begets work, man. Even so like, even when auditions are slow and other work is slow, I still owe it to myself to keep that commitment to create content based on the artist that I am. And I think that's that's valuable for a lot of folks because as actors, especially when we're unemployed, we can get stuck in that trap of being unemployed, not knowing what to do, and just sitting around. And it gives me something fun and informative and helpful to focus on. Yeah, I love that. Work begets work. Well, Nick Steen, thank you so much for coming out and doing this, brother. I, I really appreciate you and our friendship that we built, and um, I'm really excited to see all of your growth and, and everything that you're doing. I, I just love, again, I just so admire what you and your wife have built together. And uh, I just think it's awesome coming from another couple of, of creators who have <laughs> pieced together a, a nice little life. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. And one day we're going to meet in person. I'm, I'm determined of it one day. Yes, I know. Especially if you're just down the street in Dallas. I know, man. <laughs> I know. That. We got to figure this out. <laughs> Well, before we wrap up, I do have a couple quick fire questions for you. If you've been listening, I'm sure you knew this was coming. So I'm going to try to keep them fresh. Um, all right. What's a nickname that your parents used to call you? Oh, God. Oh, uh, Nickel Pickle. And it was the bane of my existence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> all right, Nickel Pickle. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Uh, I like to consider myself both. And then my wife reminds me that I need sleep. Uh, so I'd say that's a flexible one. Okay. <laughs> Who inspires you right now? Oh man. Uh, so many people, you inspire me. I just worked this Romeo and Juliet that I did. I was with a bunch of folks from OSF came to Idaho Shakespeare, incredibly talented artists and the directors there. And th- that show, my wife inspires me endlessly. Just so many sources, so many sources. Great. 
And you can only have pizza one more time. What's on it and where's it from? It's from Dewey's Pizza in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, just down the street from where we live. And it is what they call a Don Corleone. It has sausage and pepperoni. Oh, gosh, there's one other ingredient. Can't remember what it is. It is not deep dish. I'm sorry. It is not deep dish. That's okay. That's okay. As long as okay. we're not shitting on deep dish, we're, you know, no, our friendship no. is safe. <laughs> Nick, yeah. thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Cheers. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Second Cup featuring my friend Nick Steen. To keep up with Nick, follow him on Instagram at Nick underscore Steen, that's S-T-E-E-N, and on TikTok at at D-I-Y-V-O guy. Also, you should check out his car show on YouTube, Gearhead Garage, and the website GearHDGarage.com. Another giant thank you to our sponsors for this episode, Chicken Salad Chick. If you are in the Southeast United States and you have not yet gone in and grabbed a pint of Fancy Nancy or a Fancy Nancy sandwich or any of the other types of chicken salad, you must do so and you will not regret it. Thank you to Emily Gray and Chicken Salad Chick again for sponsoring this episode. This show is recorded and produced by Tim Heller Creative, LLC. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so in a few different ways. First is by sharing episode links on social media and tagging at Tim Heller Creative. Second is by rating and leaving reviews on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening and watching. If you want to support financially, you can Venmo at Tim Heller Creative. Or if you're a small or large business and would like to sponsor the show, reach out to Tim at TimHellerCreative.com and we can chat to see if we're a good fit. Tune in next time for another incredible conversation and hopefully to learn something new from a really cool person. Bye.